You are listening to the Advisor Solutions Podcast, Episode 11. Welcome to the Advisor Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Finley, President of Advisor Solutions. Are you a professional? Most advisors and agents are, or at least they think they are. I mean, you probably have a very professional way of putting together investments or insurance recommendations. In other words, you're not winging it, which is good. And you might even have a professional way of client servicing. And you're not winging that either, which is also good. You know, if you think about the definition of a professional, you probably think of a professional athlete. I mean, those people, they take their sport or their job seriously. They take practice seriously. And they're not winging it when they get into game day. The dictionary definition of professional is is this. Someone who is engaged in a specific activity as one's main paid occupation rather than a pastime. Now, when you think about your business and you being a professional, when you think about prospecting, do you treat prospecting like a professional? Somebody who is prepared? Or do you treat prospecting kind of like a hobby? Something that you do whenever you feel like doing it. And probably a lot of times, you don't feel like doing it. If you treat prospecting like a hobby, know this. You are not alone. In fact, at some point in every financial advisor, insurance agent, wholesaler, branch manager, and even agency managers' careers, they're treating prospecting like a hobby. When it comes to prospecting, Winging it doesn't work. So what do you do? You really have two choices. You could keep doing what you're doing and keep getting what you're getting, or you could learn how to prospect like a professional. And that's what we're going to talk about today, prospecting like a professional. So if you're tired of winging it when it comes to prospecting, then stick around. So why this topic? Why would you want to learn how to prospect like a professional? Because taking your business seriously can have a major impact on your level of success. And here's what I mean. When you take your business seriously, you know who you're going to prospect. You know what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, how to handle the objections, how to play a game to have fun with it, how to increase your skill sets, and how to track your success. In other words, you're a professional when it comes to prospecting. And think of it this way. It's the difference between a major league player and a little league player when it comes to prospecting. And when it comes to prospecting, which one of those teams do you want to be on? The major leagues or the little leagues? And that's why I put together this podcast so that you can learn the top 10 steps to prospecting like a professional. Now, before we jump into each one of those steps (laughs) that you're going to learn in this podcast, I need to ask you a serious question or questions. What would your business be like if you had a process for prospecting? Would you have fun? Would you enjoy it more? Would you be more successful? And would you apply what you learn? If the answer is yes, then let's begin.
the top 10 steps to prospecting like a professional. So one of the hardest things for me to do is to take a presentation that I've done so many times that takes at least an hour, or it could be a full day or a two-day workshop, and condense it down to a 30-minute podcast. So at the sake of not trying to rifle through this for you, I'm going to go over the top 10 steps. And each one of these steps, just know this, they could be a podcast in and of itself. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to prospect like a pro, a professional. So you work smarter and not just harder. And it reminds me of a story that happened to me years ago. I was asked to come in and speak at a, at a regional sales conference for a large insurance company. There were a couple hundred people in that room, and I remember when I was up there, I said, you need to work smart and not just hard. And in the middle of this crowd of 200-plus people, somebody yelled out, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> and, and all eyes were on her, and you could have heard a pin drop. And all eyes were then on me. And I said, here's what it means, to me anyway. Working smart, to me, is an acronym that I created, which is systematically managing activities requires training. And then I went on to explain what I meant, and I said, look, you have activities, but to systematically manage activities that are not the same that you're already doing, it requires training. In other words, like Einstein said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So when I explained that, she said, that's the best definition of working smart that I've ever heard. <laughs> the point of the story is, is that if you want to do something different or get a different result, we have to change what you're doing. And what we're going to do right now is talk about the 10 steps to prospecting like a pro. Because if you want to get to the next level, you have to do something a little bit different. So let's begin with step one. Step one, creating a purpose-driven business. Let me explain what I mean. I believe that you got into this business for a reason why. You know the reason why, or if we asked enough questions, you could tell me the reason why. But you got to ask yourself this. What are you doing in your business when it comes to prospecting? Are you doing what you need to do, what actions, to fulfill that purpose of why you're in this business? In other words, is your head and your heart connected? And here's how to connect your head and your heart. It really comes down to defining your business purpose. That's what we do first of all. Why are you in this business? And then we look at your values. What's important about your why in this business? Then we look at your strengths. What are you great at? Then we look at your business belief systems. This is the interesting part. This is where we have conflicting belief systems sometimes. Then we look at your actions. What are you doing in the business? You see, running a purpose-driven business is about connecting your head to your heart. It's aligning your daily actions with the reasons why you're in business. And so let me tell you a quick story of when I was sitting down with a financial advisor and we were in a coaching session and I asked some simple questions and got some interesting answers. And here's what I mean. I was talking to this financial advisor and I said, so why are you in this business? And he said, well, what do you mean? Like, why did you get into it in the first place? I, I wanted to help people. 
I thought that was a great answer. And then we talked a little bit more, and then I shifted into a value question. So what's important to you about helping people? And he knew the answer right away. He said, you know, I feel great when I'm helping people because when I help them with my knowledge, my products and services, and my integrity, I feel like I'm really doing my job, and I value that. All of that's great, and so we shifted gears into, so what are you great at? And he said to me, I'm great at connecting with people. You see, when I sit down with people and I go over everything that I can do for them, I make a good connection, and they usually become a client. (laughs) And so then we shifted into the toughest part, business beliefs. And I said, what do you really believe about prospecting? What's a positive? What's a negative? What do you believe? And he said, I believe if I prospect enough, I could become a million-dollar producer one day. I said, great, I agree. What's a negative? And he said, well, I don't, I'm kind of tired of getting rejected. I'm kind of burnt out, so I'm not really prospecting as much. And that's when we shifted gears. So I asked the last question. What are your business actions? What are you doing when it comes to prospecting? He said, well, I'm not really prospecting. And therein lies the challenge. When I explained to him, well, look, here's what I'm hearing. The reason you got into this business is to help people. But the reality is you're not helping people when you're not calling them and prospecting. And so what he learned right from there, from that step one, was that in order to get to the next level in prospecting, he had to align his head with his heart. And what we were doing was we were helping him, I was helping him, try to understand how to have a purpose-driven business. And he got it. And because he understood that, he was now ready to move to the next step to prospect like a professional. Step two, know your target market. And what I mean by knowing your target market, it simply comes down to this. You identify the people that you want to work with. And there's two ways to do that. The first way is to look at the people you are working with that you love to work with. And what I mean is you look inside your book. And the way to do that is simply to look at the people that are in your book that you like to work with and look for the the demographics. Are they business owners? Are they retirees? Are they pre-retirees? And so on. What age are they? What income level are they at? This will help you understand your target market. But the other way is to look at profitable niche markets. In other words, you're thinking, who would I want to work with that I never have before? And it reminds me of a story of a client that I work with. She's a very, very successful financial advisor. And 30 years ago, when she was a rookie, she decided back then that she wanted to work with dentists. And it paid off. So much so that she's pretty well known in her company for the person that works with dentists. So what she did was she figured out her rich niche. And the way you can do this, and it doesn't have to be dentists, is to look at, first, the market. Do you want to work with business owners, attorneys? Who is it that you want to work with? And let's say it's business owners. Then you look at the segment, meaning all business owners, or what's the segment? It could be, let's say, restaurant owners. Then we look at the sub-segment, all restaurant owners or franchisees. 
let's say it's franchisees, and let's say it's McDonald's franchisee owners. Then we look at the rich niche. McDonald's franchisee owners in your city. That's how you determine a rich niche. And once you do that, you're now ready for the next step to prospect like a professional. Step three, market your uniqueness. So the best way to understand what makes you unique is to ask yourself tough questions about your target market, their needs, and how you can help them. In other words, you have to understand how you can help others in order to be able to help. So step three is really about your brand. It's about you and what makes you unique. And one of the best ways to figure out your brand is to ask yourself the tough questions, such as, who is my target market? By now, you should know that by this step. What are their biggest challenges? What are my biggest solutions? How can I help them most? What's my message? And how will I get my message out to them? Now, I know this might seem like a lot, but here's an example of a woman that absolutely understood her brand. And here's how she did it. She asked those questions to identify her brand. And so here's an example. She asked herself, who is my target market? High net worth women was the answer. What are their challenges? Well, feeling disempowered with their knowledge and a fear of losing their wealth. What are the solutions? Well, she identified the solutions are educating and empowering them. So what's the message? The message is empowering women to understand their money so that they never have to wind up without it or destitute on the street. And the last question, who do I market my uniqueness to? Well, she identified she marketed it to centers of influence by doing workshops, by doing seminars, by networking, her message. The point of the story is, is once she did this, she started to tap into her brand, and she actually gave herself a, a, a brand name. The point of all of that is, once she did this, it took her to a whole nother level versus all the other financial advisors, even in her city. In fact, I literally could be talking to someone that doesn't know her, and I could say what her brand is, and they know who she is. And when you're doing that, you're prospecting like a professional. Step four, know your prospecting method. And so what I mean by that is always use a prospecting method that you love to do. That way, prospecting never really feels like something you have to do. Instead, it's something you get to do. So there's five forms of prospecting. There's cold calling, cold walking, networking, seminars, and referrals. And one of the things that I noticed over the years is that Rookies tend to do cold calling, cold walking, and seminars, whereas veterans tend to do networking, referrals, and seminars sometimes. The point is, is that you have to understand what your method is. And the way to understand that is simply to create what I call a prospecting method matrix. And it's a simple tool that's an Excel spreadsheet that shows your top 40 clients and how you found them. So you might put, let's say, Bill Johnson on there, and you found him cold calling. And Joe Smith, you found him in a seminar. Elaine Jensen, you found her networking, and so on. 
And once you add up the columns of all the different types of prospecting methods, cold calling, cold walking, networking, seminars, referrals, you're going to identify. I typically have had the most success with my prospecting method, which is whatever it is, whichever one you've done the most of. Now, there's one thing to consider. If you're a veteran financial advisor or insurance agent, are you really going to go back and do what you did when you were a rookie? Are you going to pick up the phone book and start calling anyone? Probably not. So it's okay if you don't go back to your old method. Instead, get better at a new method if you want to do that. But you have to find what you love, and then you have to love doing it. And when you do that, you're prospecting like a professional. Step five, designing your prospecting system. So this is an interesting step because you always want to use a prospecting system that you can organize, systematize, analyze, and optimize your success. And here's what I mean. If in the last example you realized, well, here's what I did to grow my business, I cold called. Now what you want to do is you want to take it to the next level. If you decide that you want to cold call, you have to know when you're going to call, who you're going to call, what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, how you handle objections, and how you set that appointment. And so this is the how-to, and this is where I've helped so many financial advisors and insurance agents and wholesalers to determine how are they going to be more successful at prospecting. Now, there are how-tos for every one of these. Here's an example. With cold walking, it's slightly different. You still have to know who your target market is, what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, how you handle the objections, and what you're going to do next to set that appointment. But it's slightly different because now you're face-to-face and you could read the body language. Or you could change the script, so to speak, of what you're going to say when you walk in. But it's still a formula. And what about networking? This is slightly different too. It's still the same thing in a sense of what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, but the conversation is different. And you're probably not going to have objections. It's just networking. And when you're networking, you really want to get them to open up and talk to you and so that you can uncover the need or find the need and fill it to take it to the next step, which is really getting an appointment. And when you do that, you're prospecting like a professional. Step six. Schedule success. Now, one of the things that I've noticed is that all of the steps previous to this don't matter if you don't do this one. In other words, you won't apply it. So how do we do that? The way we do that is to make sure that we schedule success. And how do we do that? Well, even the best prospecting method or best prospecting system won't work unless you schedule a time on your calendar to take daily action. So how do we do that? Well, the three most important strategies for scheduling success or blocking out time to prospect are this. Number one, prospect early in the morning. And the reason I say that is because you're freshest early in the morning. You come in, and if you know what to say, how to say it, how to handle the objections, and so on, and you know exactly who you're going to call and how you're going to help, you're ready to go. And when you're ready like that, then the morning is the best time. Strategy two, set 
a 45-minute limit. In this case, less is more. If you focus on prospecting for more than 45 minutes, they're going to pick up on that in your voice. And so what you want to do is you want to just do this for 45 minutes and take a break. And when you do that, you're going to feel like you're running a marathon instead of a sprint. Strategy three, put your phone on do not disturb. In fact, as I'm doing this podcast, my phone has rang several times, but it's on silent. And so I'm not picking it up and neither should you. My point is, is that when you put that phone on do not disturb or your cell phone on silent, then you stay in the flow and you're prospecting like a professional. Step seven, create a game. And here's what I mean. The best way to consistently complete daily activities is to turn those activities into a game and have fun doing it. So here's what you do. First, you make prospecting a game. Second, you play the game the same time each day. Third, you know the rules of the game. And fourth, you play by the rules. Fifth, always keep score so that you know if you won the game or not. Sixth, always reward yourself when you win the game. And seventh, always punish yourself when you lose the game. And I'll talk about that next. But it reminds me of a story that happened to me. I had been in production for 10 years as a financial advisor. I was actually in production for 13. And as of this audio, I've been coaching for 18 years. So there was some overlap. I've been in the industry for 29. But about 10 years into my business, what I realized was I needed to go back to prospect. So I created a new game. And the game was simple. It was just 10 contacts before 10 o'clock. So at 8 o'clock, I'd start the game and start dialing the phone. I knew what to say, how to say it, how to handle the objections, and how to set the appointments. All I needed to do was talk to enough people. So I called to try to get 10 contacts before 10 o'clock. Here's what I realized after a few weeks. I couldn't control the amount of people that were going to pick up the phone, but what I could control was this, my dials. So I added to the game, and sometimes you need to be flexible. In this case, I was flexible where I said there's two ways where I could win the game. Either I had the dials or I had the contacts. And I'd, the dials were 100 dials. So I wanted to make it a little tougher. So I had to dial the phone 100 times before 10 o'clock or I needed 10 contacts before 10 o'clock to win the game. And that's what I did. And when I started doing that, it wasn't a surprise. I started putting people into the pipeline. I started moving people through the pipeline and I was growing my business getting more assets, more clients, and doing more gross production. And that was because I was prospecting like a professional. Step eight, anchor your goals. What's interesting about this is I've already explained this a couple of times, but anchoring your goals means that you reward yourself or you punish yourself. See, think of it this way. The best way to make sure that you turn your daily activities into habits is to create a reward punishment system that goes along with the game. And that's why I'm going to talk about four reward punishment systems so you understand which one is right for you when you prospect on a daily basis. The first one is called the rewarding others system. 
I know it's kind of a strange name, but what that's all about is identifying 10 people in your life that you'd like to give a reward to. And here's what I mean. Let's say that you have a daughter and she loves scrapbooking for whatever reason. I don't know why I came up with that, but let's say she loves scrapbooking. What you'll do is you'll write down some of her hobbies, some of her interests, and if one of those is scrapbooking, then maybe you swing in after you rewarded yourself or when you reward yourself, you swing into a scrapbooking store and you pick something up for her. Or maybe your husband likes to play golf. And so what you do is if you hit your daily goals, you call your husband up and say, hey, want to go out for a bucket of balls? It's my treat, that kind of thing. The point of the story is, is that you're doing something for someone else. And that helps anchor that when you hit your goals, it feels good for you. Another reward system or reward punishment system is the debit credit system. And what that is, is you have a separate bank account where you put X number of dollars in there every day, or you take those out every day. And it reminds me of a client that I had years ago. What she did was we identified the number one thing that she wanted to do was go on an Alaskan cruise. So I had her take a look at how much it would cost. She figured the whole thing out for her and her husband to go. And we decided when she would go. And then we added a little buffer time in case she lost the game quite a bit. Next, every day when she rewarded herself, she put money into the vacation fund or the reward fund. And then she'd pull money out when she'd punish herself. And it didn't take long before I asked her one day and I said, how much is in there? She said $3,400 is in the vacation fund, a.k.a. the reward fund. The point of that story is, is that she was associating this vacation with her rewards, her daily rewards or punishments. Another one is the time reward punishment system. Now, this is perfect. If you're one of those people that like to leave early, if you hit your goals that day, leave 15 minutes early. If you don't hit your goals, stay 15 minutes late. The point is, is that what you would do is you'd associate the reward or the punishment with being at the office or not being at the office. And the next one, it's the one that I've used for years. It's the one that I use today. It's the, it's the dollar reward punishment system. And here's what I mean. So what I did is I associated time with money by taking a dollar and putting it into a jar. Simple reward. That in and of itself wouldn't be powerful. However, when I associated the punishment system, which is this, if I didn't hit that goal, I'd rip up a dollar and put it into the jar. I associate that with a punishment of ripping up money. Now, I know it's illegal, but the point is, is that it's pretty painful. And when you start to do that, anchor your reward and punishment system, you're now prospecting like a professional. Step nine, sharpen your sales skills. One of the hardest things for advisors and agents to really admit is that they need to sharpen their sales skills. The best way to become a stronger salesperson is to admit that you still have something that you can learn and to find out what that is. What we're going to do is spend an entire podcast on this subject. But just to let you know and kind of give you an idea of what we're going to talk about, we're going to cover the what to do 
within the first 30 seconds of making a phone call. It's called framing the conversation. Intro, reason for my call, three benefits, and close. I'll show you plenty of of examples of that. Also, we're going to talk about what happens when you get an objection and you don't believe them. The technique is called the smokescreen technique. I created it, and once you learn this, you're going to find the real objection. (laughs) In addition to that, we're going to talk about what to do when we find the real objection, and there's a couple of different ways. There's the objection resolution model, which has a four-step process, empathy acknowledgement, best question, three benefits, and close. And we're also going to talk about another way. It's called feel, felt, found. You might have heard of that one. It's been around for a long time. In addition to that, we're going to talk about how to get spin selling or how to ask better questions to get through the objections. And finally, we're going to talk about mastering the close, the easiest close ever in an upcoming podcast. It's called the ultimate close. I'll explain that later. The point of it is, is that when you look at your prospecting and your sales skills as close cousins, where you need to learn how to get better at your sales skills, What you'll find is that you will get better at those. And when you do that, you're prospecting like a professional. Step 10, track your success. The best way to know if you've been successful with prospecting like a professional is to track and evaluate your daily activities. And the best way to do that are the three most important reasons why you should do that. See, if you understand your why, you'll start tracking your success. So the first reason is it keeps you accountable to yourself and other people. The second way is it's going to keep you motivated. And the third way is it keeps you living your business purpose or your why, why you got into this business. Now, your tracking your success could be as simple as just having an Excel spreadsheet that says appointment tracker or a time reward punishment tracker. (laughs) The point is, is that you can create any kind of tracker that you want. I created a simple tracker that just had dials and contacts and getting 10 before 10. (laughs) My point with all of that is, is that when you track your success, you'll have success. And when you do that, you're prospecting like a professional. So before we go, I'd like to tell you one last story, and it's a story that happened to me. And this was years ago when I first started in the business, and what I realized was I didn't know what I didn't know, and I didn't even know I didn't know it. And here's what I mean. It's the first level of learning. It's called unconscious incompetence. So here's what happened. When I started in the business, I didn't even have a script. I was just calling people, winging it. And again, Winking it doesn't work. Until one day, my boss gave me a script. And now I had something to use. But I also learned down the road that I wasn't handling objections. I was winging it. And so one day, one of the prospects that I followed up with gave me an objection. I had heard it many times before. But instead of just saying, okay, we'll have a great day, I handled it differently. I started asking questions. In fact, she had said, well, I appreciate the information, but I talked to my financial advisor and he said the mutual funds that he put me into are good. 
I said, great, but I'm kind of curious. Where does he work? And she said, XYZ firm. They're proprietary funds. And I said, instead of telling her that, I asked her a question. So he works at XYZ firm, and so you probably own the XYZ funds, don't you? She said, how'd you know that? And I said, well, did he tell you that he got paid more putting you in those funds? She said, no. And then I asked her another question. I'm kind of curious. Out of the whole universe of thousands and thousands of mutual funds, why are those the best mutual funds for you? She said, I don't know. And I said, I don't either. What do you think you need to do? She said, I think I need to meet you. And I did. And she became a client. So what I started to realize is that, wait a minute, maybe there's ways to handle objections. And then years later, I realized there's actually steps, a process for handling objections. So what was happening was I was moving through the levels of learning. The first one is unconscious incompetence. I didn't know what I didn't know, and I didn't know I didn't know it. The second one is conscious incompetence. Well, now I know what I didn't know before. I just have to apply it so I can really get this down. And that's the third level, which is conscious competence, meaning I I know what to do and I know how to do it. In other words, I know how to get through these objections because I learned the process. And the fourth level, unconscious competence. And that's when you, you can do it in your sleep. So when I hear things like, I have an advisor, or not interested, send me some information, things like that, I know exactly what to do. And so do most of my clients. The point of the story is this, is that when you start to understand these levels of learning and you apply it to prospecting, you get a lot better at prospecting, and it makes the job a lot easier. So if you want to get to the next level, then you have to learn how to prospect like a professional. Well, thank you for listening to this Advisor Solutions Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to subscribe so you can listen each week. Also, check us out on the web at advisorsolutionsinc.com. And finally, if you like what you heard and you want to know more about the Advisor Solutions Group Coaching Program or the Advisor Solutions Individual Coaching Programs, please email me at dan at advisorsolutionsinc.com. I would be happy to set up a free coaching session if that's what you'd like. Again, that's dan at advisorsolutionsinc.com. Please join us next week as we help advisors and agents build a better business, one solution at a time.